Welcome to Go Closer, the podcast that explores spiritual transformation and what it takes to go closer to God each day. Hi, I'm Kara Whitney. I'm a wife, a mom, and an evangelist author. Hi, I'm Arnie Cole, a behaviorist and researcher for the Center for Bible Engagement that loves to study life transformation. You know, every person has a story. And today we have a story that will inspire you to go closer. So today's guest, Arnie, is a guy named Larry. He's close to my heart because he works in radio, so I know all about that. Well, the broadcasting field. What's so interesting is someone here knew Larry before his transformation. Let's just say God was working behind the scenes to direct him to this big life change, right? That is uh, a life of following Jesus. So we get to hear about Larry's ups and downs in that. Yeah, and it's incredibly interesting how someone could give something as simple as a Bible, and it would really make a tremendous impression on him. So here's our interview with Larry. All right. My guest today is uh, a man named Larry Osterman II. And of course, Arnie's in here today. Say hello, Arnie. Hey, everybody. Larry, you were born into a broadcasting family. You have a dad that's real well known, especially if you're a Detroit Tigers fan. So he was a play-by-play guy for the Detroit Tigers for many, many years. So did your family attend church? Were you brought up in a Christian home then? We kind of went to church, but uh, first of all, thank you for having me on your program. But um, we kind of went to church, but it wasn't really, uh, I guess it was kind of more of a what do I say? You know, the Easter, the Christmas, that sort of thing. We, My mom wanted to go to a Methodist church, and my dad was gone doing, you know, sporting events all the time. So it was kind of like she took us, but I don't really remember a whole lot of it. You would, know, that's not where... Would you consider your mom a believer, or was it something... Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It, it, absolutely. And she wanted your dad and the whole family to embrace this, but no one... Yeah, I don't... But, you know, at the time, I was, I was very, very young, so it, a lot of it just you know, was lost on me as far as how I look at it now, you know, my conversion or what have you, or when I became to know the Lord was, you know, in my, in my late twenties. Um, so the seeds were planted, but not really, um, realized until I was around 28. What was your house like growing up? Oh, it was great. It's fabulous. Full of love. Um, you know, I kind of, a what would you say? A charmed life, I guess, you know, it's, that compared to nowadays, you've got two parents and, you know, a lot of people don't have two parents nowadays. And I was fortunate to have uh, three loving sisters and two parents and a dog named Husker. Believe yeah. It or not. <laughs> hey, we, had, we had one of those too. Yeah. <laughs> My dad said we could have a dog, but only if he got to name it and he named it Husker. So. And, and Larry, how did it feel to live in the shadow of your dad. So were you I, always referred to as his kid? I mean, did people know you for who you were, or was it more um, the son of? Um, yeah, I got a lot of the son of Larry Osterman. You know, yeah. that's my dad's name is the same. And um, But uh, I don't know. I guess I just, they wanted me, us to be kids, so it wasn't really around us that much as far as uh, the pressure as far as that goes. Um uh, it's a good thing that he was in broadcasting. That's how I got my start is I knew a guy that, that worked at the local TV station. And I was told when I went in there, he said, don't talk to me when you get in there. Don't let him know you know me. And then as soon as I walk in, he's like, hey, Larry. I'm like, uh, okay, well, that didn't work. So, um, 
And then apparently the guy that hired me knew who my dad was from watching TV. And so that it certainly was uh, uh, helpful getting in. And I told my dad, thank you for having a good reputation. He said, thanks for not ruining mine. <laughs> so that was good. Uh-huh. Well, that's pretty but, cool. Yeah, it's... Did you ever feel He's, like you had a lot to live up to then? Because you kind of followed in his footsteps. I mean, you weren't a play-by-play I, guy, but... I don't think so. Other than uh, I do remember in high school, I couldn't play sports where the bean. I, I was not athletic. And so they put me in the sound booth to announce uh, people coming up to the plate and you know, just the, the booth announcer. And um, So in that regard, I guess... I kind of felt like I had to do a good job and study the stuff. And I know my dad would go down and get the guy's proper pronunciation of the name and sort of sort of thing. And and I remember announcing Joe's coming up to the plate. Well, it wasn't Joe's, it was Jose. <laughs> so I, I kind of blew that. And I'm hearing people going, Jose. I'm like, no, I'm Larry. You know, I, but uh, so I guess I failed him there. But uh, we kind of went a little different paths. I was behind the scenes. I, I never liked the in front of the camera thing. I just... I knew what to say and do, but then when you put me in front of the camera, I, I, I couldn't do and, and say what I've been telling people for years how to do it. Right. That's kind of the story of my life as well. I don't like being pushed out there. I think that's why I like radio so much. You get to hide behind the mic. You're in a room. And I've been told I have a face for radio, so that works out good for me. <laughs> it works. It works. So your conversion, though. When, okay, so you said in your late 20s. This yeah. is uh, so interesting to me. I, I think in my 20s, I started... Wanting to know any like what is it about God or does He exist? Who is this Jesus? And I, and I started there, but I didn't have my conversion until I was well into my thirties. So what wow. was it that made you consider Jesus? Well, um, you know, we went to church as we were kids, but as I said, I didn't do anything as far as plant a seed, and so I didn't know a whole lot about that. But in that, I guess I always knew who Jesus was and what he did for me, but I never knew that I needed to ask him to be my savior. Um, I just figured I was always saved or, you know, whatever term you want to use. And um, the story on that is uh, is a little uh, uh, interesting, I guess. A friend of mine that I worked with at the TV station, he invited me to meet this girl at church. Uh, interesting place to meet her, but okay. And, of course, I went, and she wasn't there. So I got to actually hear the message and uh, I think that's God's way of, you know, focusing me because I'd be more worried about the girl sitting next to me and, and my performance, trying to impress her. And um, I got to hear the word. And, and then I talked to my friend about it uh, after church. And I just like instantly I knew I'd, what I needed to do. But there they would walk forward. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to walk in front of these people. You know, I don't know them. That's kind of scary. And um, so we talked about it. And uh, the next week... I walked forward and gave my life to the Lord, and then we went back and talked to one of the pastors, and they set me up on a discipleship program, that sort of thing. That week, the girl was there. so That was <laughs> there my next question, if yeah, you ever... <laughs> she was there. <laughs> and I had to walk forward, you know, with her there. And, but, you know, the neat thing about that was we dated for a little while, but her family was rock-solid Christian. And it was really great for me to see what uh, how a Christian family interacts and what they do and how they... Um, perceive the Lord and, and just how they live out their life, because I really needed that as an example of uh, in my discipleship and as I grow to know the Lord. And uh, so that it actually, uh, a girl got me to go to church and uh, the Lord Lord met me there. Excellent. Well, I'm just really glad you're saved then. Yeah, no kidding. Well, you know, and they say that, I don't know what the statistics are, but I guess after like age 16 or 18 or whatever, I guess it's 
more rare that people it's very get rare. converted. Yeah, yeah. It's and very to hear rare. my age and your age, it's like you know. Well, yeah, we're kind of oddities. That's like Arnie says; he's the stats guy. And uh, okay. the fact that we're even saved is phenomenal. But yeah. you know, I I question sometimes, like if it's because we never had any cult like religion that we had to undo. You right. know, there's so many people that they uh, they say I'm a recovering this or that. I don't like calling out denominations, but I sure. I would say that um, you know I'll I'll call out the ones that I know for fact aren't saved, like Mormons or Jehovah's Witnesses. But you got to undo all of that bad theology. Yeah, yeah. and know? and my, these people lied to me for this long. Why is it? You know, what's right about? Yeah, and you know, why it's like is some of it is, has just this. enough truth in it to be believable. Then you're like, well, why is your religion better than mine? Well, you know, it's a relationship. God showed me. You know, He's been evident in my life in many ways that I I can't uh, doubt His existence. You know, and Him stepping in and protecting me in many ways. It makes you wonder statistically, and Arnie, you might know this because this is what you do, but if it's actually harder for someone to come out of that than it is for something like Larry and I to where we just have that hole missing in our heart and we discover that God's the filler, right? So, Amen. Yeah, I, I think any time there's uh, false teaching uh, as a child and then growing up in that, it, it makes it very, very difficult. But then we all have our own things we gravitate to that block us from coming to Jesus, you know, and that's Satan too. He he does a number on, on all of us. So <clears throat> here you're on fire for Jesus. You're working at the TV station. How how did that go for you? Um, well, <laughs> I don't know if this is like with everybody, but when I got saved, I, it was kind of a, a radical concept for me, and I wanted everybody to know about it. So I, I told everybody about it. In fact, I got kicked off our computer system at work because I was sharing too much Jesus, and somebody got upset about <laughs> it. Good for you, like, Larry. Good badge of honor there, right? <laughs> and um, it, it, it worked out uh, okay, but it was. Um, I guess there was no doubt in whether I had, if there was a conversion in my life. I do remember one time uh, I was a, a videographer and editor at the time, and I remember it seemed like uh, the only time our equipment would work was an engineer sitting actually in the room. Well, there wasn't one with me, and there was a problem, and and I uttered two letters GD together, and and I ducked, and and I thought, well, that was kind of weird, but it was like the immediate conviction of the Holy Spirit was, you will not do this, you are not honoring me, and that's going to change. And uh, I had actually been working on a. Uh, a film with a friend of mine and um, started talking to him about changing the language in the script. And he's like, I'm not making a kid movie, you know, and um, we ended up getting a few F words out of there, but I think it makes up for bad writing sometimes, but mm -hmm. it was a horror film and I guess that's just part of the thing. But so there was a very dramatic change from, um, from how I was before to who I was becoming. And in fact, I, you know, those old micro cassette recorders, I'm dating myself here a little bit, but I had one of those and I played it back for myself because before I threw them away and I offended myself because it's like every other word was a bad word. And I'm like, wow, I was really bad if I'm offending myself now. How bad was I? And I didn't even realize I was speaking that way in front of other people. In fact, one of the ladies you work for there, I used to work with. And I remember uttering a word in front of her and she says, you will never speak in front of me like that again. 
And and it goes to show the power of words and, and how in your life you can affect other people, you know, positive or negative. You know, she stood up for what she believed. She was right. No man should ever speak that way in front of a woman, and I did. And, and that was the end of that. And um, she actually was part of uh, my salvation process in that when she left to work, uh, to cross-country work for another company, she left a Bible on my desk. And in there, she left a note in there. And, and I thought, well, that's a weird gift, you know, but cool. I still have it. And um, that's the one that I used as I you know, became a believer. But I took it and showed it to a friend of mine that was there. And that's when the, he invited me to meet this girl. But words, uh, I go back to that. And I'm sorry to drag on. They're just so important. Uh, we don't realize... You know, in our everyday life, we just utter a word to somebody and don't think of the impact of that. I remember I was singing somewhere and someone said, well, you'll never make it as a singer, you know? And I'm like, okay, well, that one time they said that and that was it. I'd never tried again. It took years before I'd ever sing in front of anybody again. I mean, 20 years. And um, so I just, I'm grateful that somebody with a word spoke up to get me to the church. And then the word of God is obviously the most powerful word that can be spoken in anybody's life. I think it's a relief, and I know in my own life, that God gives you your sensitivity back. Because Ah, I had seen things, done things, and just thought, you know, I was just numb to things in the world. When I was opened with that new lens with Jesus, I got my sensitivity back. I think it's also important, too, that this person in your life um, that was sort of this role model, and then that role model family that discipled you, um, they didn't really have to say too much. Their actions said a lot, right? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. People are watching all the time. One thing I always tell people, especially in evangelism, is you can't expect non-believers to act like believers. Right. So Christians shouldn't be shocked by that. That shouldn't shock you. What should shock you is if you were a believer and you still acted like that. Right. That right. should shock every Christian. So yeah. it's just very strange how we have that mixed up, that we, then, we almost feel like we're at war with non-believers, and we shouldn't at all. No, no, absolutely right. And and then that in, in the environment that many of us work in, we work in, uh, you know, unbelieving environments. You know, for what I do, I work with a, a large majority of unbelievers. So they're speaking in ways that I used to speak. So it like ping pongs back and forth in my head, and I have to be put on the full armor and be careful not to to speak those things out again because it's so easy to you know you you surround yourself with people you're forced to surround yourself with, and you, you know what is a bad company corrupts good what what it corrupts good more I don't <laughs> you can edit that <laughs> whatever well, I know that's exactly to be. what you mean because especially. You know, we have this thing at Back to the Bible, and Arnie can talk about the power of four, you know, where you, if you are not in the Word at least four times uh, a week, you know, four days a week, then you will revert back to where you came from. That's pretty much it, right, Arnie? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And and Larry, you know, a lot of times, and I don't want to give the impression on, on our podcast that you become a Christ follower, you're on fire for Jesus— and everything goes happy ever after. Uh, to me, the more on fire you are for Jesus, the uh, worse the spiritual battle. Yeah, the bigger target you are. The bigger target you are. You know, and there's scripture that says that uh, Satan roams around like um, 
a lion wanting to devour anything in its its path. And if you really thought of that, you would protect yourself and the kids, you know, and just all that that goes with that. But uh, so talk about um, your life. You got married. You were working uh, uh, in CBN uh, on a satellite truck. You were traveling all over the world. You adopted four children. Uh, happy ever after or were you attacked talk about those spiritual battles and and how they affected your walk with the lord well um like you said i mean if you're essentially if you're not doing the things of god then uh or if you're not being bothered by the devil then you're not <laughs> you're not a threat to him you know he'll just he'll move on and our human nature we become our own problem we get in our own way sometimes but um, no, I wouldn't say it was all roses. You know, I um, I got married uh, in uh, 1998, and then two weeks later, we moved to Virginia to work for the Christian Broadcasting Network. Uh, I was a remote videographer. I was gone for the first year and a half. I was gone nine months of that, um, just traveling. That's real hard on our new, on our new couple. Um, and um, I remember being in uh, where were we? I think we were in China. And we were there for three weeks, and like at two weeks, I was ready to just be done with the whole job because I didn't want to be that far away. And my wife at the time, um, we've since divorced, unfortunately, but um, she uh, was under immense spiritual attack and couldn't figure out what was going on. And she called back to our pastor back in Michigan, and he said, uh, "What's going on is uh, it's uh, oppression or demonic oppression, not." not a possession but oppression he's he's oppressing you she's feeling dark and and depressed and all this stuff she was afraid of the dark and never had this before and so he told her put scriptures up over the walls and wherever she wants speak scripture out and eventually it kind of went away but as a as a husband i felt helpless because here i am halfway around the world i could do nothing to help her uh i couldn't console her or anything you know fast forward um we we adopted uh our first baby that we had adopted she was a friend of ours, baby, a sister of a friend, and um, the baby was born cocaine, heroin positive, and so wow, she had made a placement wow. plan with us beforehand because uh-huh. they knew that they'd just take her. And um, she was seven weeks early. At eight weeks, they gave her shots for a full-size two-month-old baby, and she died a week later. Oh. So our, we don't need to know why. Um, we know that God's in charge. We know that many people got saved at her funeral, um, and... Um, but we feel like you know maybe her liver was compromised because of the drugs sure. and all that sort of thing. So, it is what it is. Uh, people accused us for not mourning enough because we were at peace with the Lord. They told us we needed to go to these uh, counseling programs with other people who have lost babies, and we went and we're just like we're in the wrong place. These people are mad and angry, and we did our best. To, I mean, we end up kind of being co-counselors in this thing, and we're like, this is not healthy for us to be in this sure. environment, and. Um, so it's uh, that was tough. We and then we had uh, several failed adoptions uh, after that, and uh, where they changed their mind. We got there, watched the baby be born. They said, um, if uh, we went to lunch, called us and said, if you come back to the hospital, we'll sue you for harassment. They changed their mind. So we had a 15-hour drive, empty, you know, car driving all the way home back to Virginia, and then uh, praise the Lord, we adopted a sibling group, uh, a two, a boy and a girl. They're both brothers. Uh, brother and sister, excuse me, biologically, and they were six and seven. Now they're 21 and uh, 22 years old, both doing really great. My daughter's pregnant. She's due to have a baby soon. And then we adopted 
a baby um, uh, in 2007, uh, Eliana, and my others, Daniel and Ellie, or Daniel, Ellie, and Matthew. And uh, she's doing really good. She's 13. And um, it's just, it's weird because, you know, if you look at your life and God told you ahead of time what, what was in store for you, you'd be like, no, I'm not, I don't want none of that. No, thanks. <laughs> and, you know, we worked at a, a group home with uh, teenagers and we worked at a, two group homes. And the second one we went to, we were attacked on a daily basis and uh, things thrown at us, hit at us, punched, kicked, you know, swore at us, the whole thing. And when I said uh, earlier, I said something uh, about how God had, without a doubt, stepped in my life and made himself known to me and protected me. There was one time we were doing a restraint and I had this teenage girl and my wife says, get her to her ground, her legs are strong. So I get her to the ground and I hear headbutt. Nobody said headbutt, it was the Holy Spirit, you know, whether it was audible or just in my head or what. And it was like slow motion. I moved my head to the right and she was swinged to just past my left and back and forth. And it, you know, she's not doing slow motion. She's trying as hard as she can to hit me in the head. And with every, every move she missed. And like I said, it felt like slow motion. I really felt like God just stepped in and protected me because we could have been very hurt very badly. And that was the end of that. We decided that, you know, we were paying more attention to these trouble kids than our own family that was sitting around while things were flying around them. And that just wasn't going to work. Um, so we were homeless for six weeks. We didn't have anywhere to live. Uh, we had some friends of ours that took us in and we lived in their basement uh, for six for those six weeks. And then I got a job in Florida and that's how I got down here uh, as a technical ministries director for a church and did that for a while. And uh, it's, it's, you know, when I was at CBN, I traveled all over the world. I got to go to China and Thailand and uh, just these New York and all these places I would never be able to go. So I feel so blessed and charmed in a way that I've, I've been able to do these things other people haven't been able to do, not because of me, but because of the Lord. And because I had the uh, a little bit of sense to listen to him <laughs> and, and follow his leading and step forward and, and not question what his plan was. Uh, he just, you know, nothing's a, a, always going to be great and perfect, but it doesn't matter because God will make those things that aren't good, but, you know, he'll use them for his glory. And As he has. said, the safest place you can be is in the will of God. And wherever you he decides lying. to take you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. right? Because, uh, I mean, there there is not a lot of room anymore for people doing video, you know, with all the social media and things. Everybody's just kind of their own celebrity. They kind of do their own boogie. So, it's but God crazy. seems to be taking care of you. So, yeah. Yeah, he has. And, and I said earlier I, that we got our divorce and... Um, and that was an unfortunate thing. It's just, it happens, I think, uh, unfortunately, even to in the Christian world. Um, but early on in our relationship, we were very smart about how we how we did our relationship. Like, we would never speak negative about each other. We would um, always be positive, even if, if uh, to other people about our mate. And uh, even in the divorce people, we would get people like, you know, how, how are you still friends with her? How can you be friends with her? Well, she's the mother of my children. And mm -hmm. uh, she's still a good person, you know. It's just it didn't work out, and um, for for reasons I won't go into. But you know, we're both equally, uh, you know, it takes two. And so we um, we've since moved on, and uh, we, we get along good. And I've done, I believe, very well with with the Lord's help and and only speaking positive uh, about our ex. And it, it throws people because like you're not supposed to be friends with your ex. <laughs> Like, well, it, we don't go to dinner together or anything, but 
But for our kids' sake, I was going to say, uh, for the kids' sake, because I, my absolutely. parents are divorced, and uh, it's it's hard. So, Larry, it, you had a lot of hard things when when you look at it. I mean, what your talent in your career, what you love, the world has changed so much that what used to be demand a highly talented person now everybody uses their phone. You had a baby die early on. I see your sister's husband died at a Promise Keepers event. I mean, you have mm -hmm. these these main big things and then uh, divorce, you know, as a Christ follower, that a tough, tough thing. How, how can you still stand on the promises and be faithful when your life has been pretty tough um, you know, you, you talk about working with uh, teenagers in a group home. I used to work with violent adults, and there is not, and nobody understands um, what what you're going through, and it's a losing proposition. In my mind, I I, I look over. You've had a very tough spiritual life. How how do you not feel that that Jesus has forsaken you? Um. I, I, I guess I never thought that he had, you know, it's, you, you bring up these I, these uh, moments in time, these pictures of the movie of my life. And when you go through them, sure, they're tough, but you don't look at all of them and go, wow, that, that, that was a lot in my life, you know, <laughs> because they're just parts of your life as you as you move through them. And you look back and then you're like, goodness, I, when I look back, I see God's hand where he was there protecting me. So I don't have that doubt of of uh the hid forsaken me how did you I do not, remember how did you not blame jesus you know and and the reason i ask is here you're a late in life conversion which makes you an outlier bad things have tough things have happened and yeah tough things happen to a lot of people but um most people blame god you know and you know the the famous thing if there's a Loving God, yeah, why would He let it? Happen? Why would He let this happen? You know, you you know, why are you different? What what in your faith walk helped? I guess uh, maybe just when I got saved, having the people around me to make sure I was rooted in Christ uh, and learning what it means to be a follower and learning what it means to put the Word of God in your heart and hide it and. Um, you know, my life hasn't been perfect as far as my, my spiritual walk with the Lord. You know, I've, I've stumbled, tripped and fallen, walked, stepped backwards and walked forward. And, and, but what's amazing to me is what I've learned, God will bring back that to mind. You know, there'll be somebody that'll come up to me and they're going through something and all of a sudden the scripture just pours out of me and I'm sharing with them maybe an experience I've had or, or how, how the Bible speaks to that position and I'm like, I didn't remember that. You know, it's just <laughs> hiding in your heart is so important because God will bring that back up. He's not asking you to bring it up. It, it's it, He'll do it. <laughs> it's going to come out of your mouth and you're like, wow, that was very nice. I can't believe that I knew that. <laughs> and um, I, I don't know. I guess I just never really doubted that the Lord was there. You know, I, I knew he was in my life, like I said before, my whole life. I didn't know I needed to ask him to be my savior and and um, and give him give my life over to him. And yeah, he said it. it you're going to have troubles, you know, it's not going to be easy. So knowing that from the beginning, I guess it's just, you know, all right, well, there's another day, we're just going to keep walking forward. And, and, you know, when I step, step back, and I stumbled, and I just I get back up, you know, you just got to keep moving. 
it's I don't think I'm any different than anybody else. And to hear when you say you've had a tough life and all this stuff, it's kind of weird because I'm kind of like on the outside going, why would anybody say that about my life? It was just my life. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's the cards I was dealt. And I just move forward and and uh, with the Lord and do it. Well, and then those little nuggets of joy, like the kids that you have, and now you're going to yeah. be a grandpa, and we do get Yeah, you know what's funny is people keep saying, are you excited about being grandpa? I'm like, you know, when it happens, I'm going to be excited, but right now I'm just kind of moving through it. Yeah. <laughs> I got like on an autopilot, I'm like, you should be excited. I'm sort like, of laid back. I, I, it will be. <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, I mean, yeah. and, and, you know, prosperity pe- preachers, they don't want to hear from people like, really, any of us, anybody <laughs> right. listening. You know, so uh, what do you think keeps you from growing spiritually? Myself. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, we're human. We fail. Uh, I think I can focus too much on the day-to-day activities of what's going on and work. And, and um, in the pandemic has certainly made it more difficult for for all of us. You know, with them, who would have thought they'd shut the churches down, you know, and uh, this sort of thing. So I think that's a real difficult thing that I'm trying to work through now is some of our, you know, Florida's pretty open and, you know, we thrive on tourism. That's, that's where I'm at. If we don't have it, we're going to fail as a, as a state. And so it's a little different for that, but our churches were closed. And so it's like online learning or watching. It's like, for me, I like to be, I, I know you can get it, but in the presence of the Lord, I want to be there with the worship. I want to be there as the worship draws us closer to Christ and, and hear the message. And so that's been the hard part for me is not being able to do that. And uh, and then, you know, some churches didn't make it, you know, or they're just doing online. And and so I'm currently trying to, you know, work back into another, a different church that I think is, is going to be able to, to make it. So. You're right. You know, there's something about gathering in person and to be able to to worship and to be together, gathered with. You know, that's one thing that uh, COVID revealed to me was the necessity of meeting in person with other believers. Right. That energy, the ability to worship together. And uh, and I took it for granted. I think there's so many things that believers take for granted, right? Yeah. I mean, it's like... You go every Sunday, okay, and then it becomes routine. And then all of a sudden, all of our routines are changed. And it's like, you know, my um, friend the other day was saying, are we ever going to get back to the way it was before? I said, no, I, I really don't think we will. There's change. Everything's going to change. But we all know before Jesus comes back, it's going to get worse. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just that's this, I've, I don't know if it's the growing pains now or, or what process we're in in the Bible, uh, in, in the chapters of the Bible where we're at. But, I mean, we know that, so we know it's going to get worse before it gets better. So when I look at this and people are like, oh, I'm so worried and afraid, I'm like, I'm just walking forward. You know, I'm not going to be afraid because I know that that just brings us closer to the Lord or we're going to be there sooner. If anything, it should motivate us because we see a lot of people who can't control things anymore where they thought they had yeah. control. And so oh, yeah. I hopefully will be placed in front of them at least just to tell them about Jesus even mm-hmm. though listening to your story should show the importance of discipleship, not just, oh, hey, you, um, you know, accept Christ so you don't go to hell, Absolutely. but then to also help people get into that relationship with And Jesus. that's not a hard thing to do. I mean, I, I, somebody sets you up as to disciple somebody, okay, well, the hard part's been done. Somebody had to walk up in front of them and share Jesus with them. And that's not a hard thing because we love the Lord, but... 
there's that intimidation. You know, I had a guy stop me in the grocery store and say, what do you have that I don't? I'm like, are you kidding me? That's like the question everybody's like, <laughs> I, know, that's I want like, you to ask me. That's like right on a silver platter. <laughs> right, I mean. right. You can't get any better than that. And I shared it with him. He's a friend of mine's brother and uh, talked to him for about three hours that night. And I, I don't know where he is now, but I'm like, man, this is awesome. And that was another one of those moments. I hid scripture in my heart. I didn't know I was doing it. Man, all this stuff started coming. I'm like, bam, bam, bam. I'm like, this is great. I love that because it's <laughs> you know? affirmation you're on track. You know, where yeah. sometimes you're like, am I doing enough, whatever. And then you get that and you're like, okay, I'm I'm still in the will of God. You know, I'm still yeah. chugging along. It's, yeah, it's kind of like God's like, all right, you know, if you're stepping that way, like, I'm going to pull you back in here. I'm going to use you right now. <laughs> yeah, right? I <laughs> love know? that. Um, so so how, awesome. what helps you grow spiritually then? Gosh, you know, I think just... Life right now is is causing you to because it be, there's so much fear and worry. I mean, with the mask and all this stuff, and depending on how you feel about it or you don't feel about it, people are, have their opinions and they're going to share them with you. There's a guy who was screaming at a guy in the in the gas station the other day. You don't have a mask on. You're going to kill somebody. I'm like, you have a mask if it's working. Yeah, I know. <laughs> You're good. Me, I know. <laughs> you know, so it's. I, I think just in in our daily lives now, you're kind of forced to to look at the Lord and say, okay, well, where am I doing the right thing? Am I where you want me to be? Am I in your will? Um, and if I'm not, show me how to get back in your will. You know, it, it, I think it's as simple as just asking him. He'll show you, you know, he'll open the doors for you. So when you became a believer, I, I know when I did, it was such a crazy transformation that my family was suspicious but since then, over time, uh, my sisters have come to know Jesus. Uh, my parents are getting there. Uh, like, what is what happened within your family, and like, how's your relationship with your dad and all that? Yeah, that's fun. That's funny you bring that up because it was like, all right, we'll see how long this lasts, you know. And uh, I'm like, well, really? Am I am I that? <laughs> Do I, you know, I was I was still young, but in my mind, I was still a teenager. You know, even though I was 28, but. Um, uh, yeah, it, it, the response was, you know, we'll see how this lasts, and, and it, it, it did last. And then, of course, they blamed the girl I was dating at the time who became my wife because, you know, she's having all this spiritual influence on me, and he's changing. I don't like you anymore because you don't swear and you don't tell these jokes anymore. You know, you know you're know, you different, you know, and I'm like, well, you know, it was a radical change, you know. And then as time goes on, you know, I think they started to realize, hey, maybe there's something to this. Um, my sister got married to a guy who was a believer and he was, uh, you had mentioned this earlier, but he was playing at a promise keepers, uh, practice. They were playing music for a promise keepers event. And he just dropped dead in the service. And, uh, a year later, his brother dropped dead almost, almost to the date. And, um, you know, I think we've had these moments. We've had him die. We've had, uh, my daughter die. We had, uh, my mom, my mother passed away recently and, and in every one of those, uh, and even back before I was a believer, a really good friend of mine, my first love, my first dating as a, as a teenager, she was killed in a boating accident. And yet every one of those, I was asked to speak at her funeral, even my own daughters. And I was like, I'm the funeral guy. <laughs> so it's like they point to Larry. Larry's got to go, and, and he's got to do the message here. And and so I guess I should look at that as an honor that they, they look to me. They see that. And... They don't see that. They see Jesus in me through those moments, and they want they want him there. But I'm the guy that's going to 
let Jesus work through them. That's in powerful. That situation. That's really well, powerful. and what a yeah. gift to your mom to know that you've you're going to make it. You know yeah. what I mean? Like that. I started changing the prayers. You know, my with my kids, and I'm I'm sure anybody in this room, anyone listening, you, Larry, you just want your kids to have that relationship with Jesus. Oh yeah, yeah. So you pray. You know, you start when they're little, and you're like. Oh, I just want them to hang out with good people or have good influences, whatever. But you're really trusting God when you change that prayer and you say, Lord, whatever it takes to get them to Jesus. Yeah, yeah as long as you don't do some of the things. <laughs> I know. That's what, I don't want that. <laughs> yeah, but you got there and yeah. you're there. And it's it's just awesome. You know, you start out in your life and you're living in the shadow of your dad and uh, and now look at... God's like, I'm your father. I'm gonna, Amen, I'm gonna yeah. take you to where I'm gonna take you, and uh, you have a purpose, and you know Him, and you make Him known, Larry. That's just amazing. It's really awesome. Yeah. So well, I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, and just encouraging people to grow closer to Jesus with your story. So you're being spiritually challenged these days, though, as we all are. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. How how is that going? And then where are you blessed? Uh. I, where is it going? Same place everybody else is going, you know, as far as uh, the out, surrounding outside influences in our lives that are attacking us daily and, um, you know, with the COVID and this double COVID or whatever, all this other Variance. stuff that's going on. Yeah. It's, uh, I don't know, you, you, it's kind of coming at you at all angles, but and where I'm blessed, I'm blessed that I know the Lord. I'm blessed that uh, my children are growing in the Lord. Um they, you know, one's 21, one's 22, they're, they're figuring themselves out right now. You know, one of them's pregnant with their first baby. And, um, you know, I, those, those are experiences that cause you to grow. So, you know, she's growing now because she's going to be a mom. So she's going to be forced to, um, to look outside herself. And now she's got a little human she's got to take care of, you know, and my youngest, she's been homeschooled for the last year and is looking at going back into the school. And that's a scary thing because you've got, all these statistics of these kids are, you know, the ones that have been home and there's been domestic violence and stuff like that. Now they're all going to be integrated back into the school system. And so you worry about that. Are you concerned about that? But you just, that's a trust in the Lord. You're like, okay, well, can she get into the right school? Is it going to be a good school or a bad school? You know, it's, it seems like the concerns of life never seem to end. You know, you get older and you're like, you're always in a hurry to grow older to get to that stage. And then you get to that stage and you're like, oh, wow, we got all this to deal with. And then you get to the next stage and, you know, what, what's, uh, what's my next step when my old, my youngest becomes uh, graduated from school. And, and then there's a new thing you know, we're, we're always have to look to the Lord for each decade of our life, I guess, that, that we're blessed to live. Right. Amen, Grandpa Larry. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> I love today's interview all about blessings and challenges that you're going to find along the way, each of these stages of life. So Larry's going to continue to walk forward, and I hope that you are too, listening to our podcast, Go Closer, more today than yesterday. We'll catch you next week on Go Closer. Visit GoCloser.com today for more stories of transformation and for your copy of Faith in Real Life, a powerful book that will inspire you to walk in the light, even when life gets dark. Request your copy of Faith in Real Life at GoCloser.com.